0: and laughs theater of the mind the best love programs from radio's golden age only on zoomer radio now here is your master storyteller frank proctor
1: well thank you and welcome to the show tonight a real treat as we listen to another episode of suspense the producers of the show were known for providing taut scripts and celebrated actors to play the roles. Certainly no exception tonight, as we're about to hear Jane Wyman take the lead role. She was an American actress, singer, dancer, and philanthropist whose career spanned seven decades. She was also the first wife of 40th President of the United States, Ronald Reagan. They married in 1940 and divorced in 1949. Well, here she comes, a three-time winner of a Golden Globe. Let's hear her now in the suspense production of Catch Me If You Can.
2: And now, Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations present...
3: Suspense! Autolite brings you the Academy Award nominee, Miss Jane Wyman, in a dramatization of the outstanding mystery novel Catch Me If You Can. A suspense play produced and directed by Anton M. Leader. And now, Autolite presents Jane Wyman in a tale well calculated to keep you in Suspense.
4: Let me tell you. Let me talk as long as I can. It's my last chance to explain about Phil and all the trouble I had afterwards. Phil got me into this mess the night he died. I sat near his bed, waiting for him to fall asleep, and he said...
5: Margot, was there anything in that milk you gave me tonight?
4: Well, of course, darling. Dr. Landers prescribed it. A sedative.
5: Oh? You're a beautiful woman, Margot. Very beautiful. Yes.
4: He was taking so long to fall asleep. It was already after three in the morning. I listened to the wind. Phil and I were all alone, stuck in that godforsaken mountain inn, ever since he fell ill just before Labor Day. There we were, ten thousand feet above sea level, not a soul for miles. The fall season was over and all the other guests were gone, and even Joe, who owns the inn, had gone down to Leadfield to get his winter supplies. Oh, I shivered, thinking of the dark, and ragged, lonesome mountains outside, and Phil opened his eyes again.
5: You're a good actress, Margot. Better off the stage than you were on, I expect. I know you're fed up with our marriage. Have been ever since I became ill.
4: I haven't complained, Phil.
5: No, it wouldn't fit the part. But you feel trapped out here in Colorado, don't you? You'd rather be in New York. I wonder, Margot, those pills you put on my lunch tray last week, they weren't my regular vitamin pills. Maybe you want your freedom and my money enough to poison me.
4: Don't be ridiculous, Phil.
5: Well, anyway, I didn't take them. I hid them (gasps) with a note saying that you tried to give them to me. Then I called a friend of mine long distance, an old friend. Who? A detective named Rocky Rhodes. Rocky and I both stayed at this inn one summer.
4: And what did you tell this Rocky?
5: Never mind what I told him. Just remember, he's due here tonight or in the morning.
4: A detective.
6: Phil, you're a fool.
5: I want a divorce, Margot. You do? Yes, without any strings. Those pills are Exhibit A, if they're poison.
6: Blackmail.
4: Phil, darling, if you want a divorce, you can have it without threatening me.
5: You'll sign the papers tomorrow?
4: Of course, darling. I only want to make you happy. But now go to sleep, Phil. You need a good rest. Go to sleep. I stroked his forehead and the sedatives finally took effect his breathing became very heavy and even. I looked at him and thought he was smart not to take those pills. Ah, oh, but not smart enough. He shouldn't have told me about that detective. He thought he was protecting himself and that I wouldn't dare do anything now. Oh, but he was wrong because I had to now. I couldn't afford to wait and lose everything when he divorced me. And besides, I'd find those pills in the letter before the detective got here. There was practically no risk the way I'd planned it this time. Outside it had started to rain, a heavy downpour, and the only other sound in the world was Phil's breathing. I picked up the extra pillow and put it down carefully, carefully over his face. He didn't move. I pressed the pillow down on the side so that no air could get in, no air at all, and held it there a long time. Once the pillow shook a little when Phil's head moved, and once there was a gurgling sound. And that was all. When I lifted the pillow and took it back in its place, the job was done. Everything I ever wanted, money and freedom, was right in my hands. Phil was dead. Dead of a heart attack, Dr. Landers would say. Oh, but wait a minute. Unless someone found those pills with the note from Phil. Phil hadn't died of poison, so I was safe. But there would be questions. Questions I didn't want to have asked. I had to find those pills myself. I started to search. First, the pillow under Phil's head. No. Then, the nightstand beside his bed. And the desk under the window. No. Where could he have hidden it? After all, the bell. Could it be Phil's detective already? Rocky? Rocky Rhodes? I'll have to be very careful. Just a minute. I'm coming. Just a minute. Yes? Well, don't stand there. It's raining in. Oh, I'm, I'm
7: sorry. Uh, I think I'm lost. I'm looking for Pineview
4: Lodge. But well, you are lost. This is Fisherman's Net. Yes, I know. I saw the sign. It's, uh, it's closed for the winter. Well, could you put me up? The manager's away. There's only me and my husband
7: the luck of the Irish. I meet a beautiful blonde, and she's married every time. You wouldn't turn me out in this storm. I'm
4: soaking wet. I'm afraid I... please,
7: just tonight, in the morning, I'll get my bearings.
4: Well, if if it's only for one night... Yes, that's all.
7: Thank you. What a vacation.
4: Where are you from?
7: Chicago, newspaper man. My name is Mike Sheldon.
4: How do you do, Mr. Sheldon? I'm Mrs. Weatherby. How do you
7: do uh, where do I bunk? Upstairs?
4: Yes, you can take the trout room. Every room is named for a different kind of fish. It's the second room on the right from the top of the stairs.
7: Thank you. It's great of you to let me stay.
4: Would you like some hot coffee?
7: Fine. It's no trouble.
4: Oh, not at all. I was going to make some for myself.
7: I can use some all right.
4: No, no, wait! No, not that room. No. What's wrong, Mrs. Weatherby? Well, I, I said, I said the second door on the right, the salmon room, not the trout room. I made a mistake. Forgive me, but this is my husband's room, and he's not well. I was afraid you'd wake him up. Oh, that was bad, very bad, making a slip like that in front of Phil's detective, Rocky Rhodes. Because, of course, Mike Sheldon was Rocky Roads. Who else could he be? And I had to find those pills before he did and started making trouble. Before I could get back to the search, two more unexpected guests popped in at Fisherman's Net. A small, dapper man with a black mustache and slick black hair.
7: But I'm Charlie Miller. I got a reservation here, and I'm staying, sister.
4: But the manager is away. He didn't mention any reservations. he must
1: have forgot then. I made it by telephone from K.C. That is, I mean, I asked a friend of mine to make it.
4: Was it Phil? Was Charlie Miller Rocky Rhodes? Oh, he couldn't be a detective. He was too stupid. No, no, Mike Sheldon was Rocky Rhodes.
6: There was a girl with Charlie Miller. I thought she was Mrs. Miller. No, I'm Susan Quinn. Mr. Miller and I met on the bus.
1: Yeah, we were great pals right off. I, I call her Susie Q. You get it? <laughs>
6: yes. <laughs> but the initials on your suitcase are SR, Miss Quinn. Oh, well, I borrowed my sister Sheila's suitcase. Sheila Riley She's married Sheila and I always Borrow each other's things
4: Was it true? Or was her name Susan Rhodes Nicknamed Rocky Rhodes Things are getting More complicated Every minute Two men had arrived And Sheldon seemed the most like a detective It was too late for me then To go on hunting For the pills It was morning In case questions were asked later, I had to be able to say I had done what a wife with a sick husband ought to do. I had to take Phil his breakfast on a tray.
1: Well, Mrs. W.,
7: hey, you're an early bird. Here, let me help
4: you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Miller. This is my husband's breakfast. If you'll open the door. Sure thing. There you are. Thank you. Phil. Phil, dear. I brought you... (gasps) Oh, Something wrong, Mrs. W.? My husband. He looks... He looks...
8: Uh, uh, Anything I can do?
9: Say,
1: uh, he does look pretty green at that. Mr. Weatherby? Hey, Mr. W... You'd you'd better sit
7: down, Mrs. Weatherby. It uh, looks to me like your husband has passed away. Oh, no! No, no, no. Here, now. Just sit down. All right, now. You just cry on Uncle
1: Charlie's shoulder. Do you good?
7: You're, you're very kind. Well, good morning. Oh, say, uh, Sheldon, uh, got a little trouble here. Trouble? Mrs. Weatherly? Well, her husband's passed away in his sleep, <laughs> looks like.
10: I brought his breakfast. I thought he was asleep. And... Will, he, will somebody phone Phil's doctor? Dr. Landers and
4: Salisbury Gap?
7: Well, of course, but... Uh... E-
4: excuse me, I'm, a, I'm afraid I'd better go to my room. <laughs> Miss Weatherby. Oh, Miss Quinn.
6: What happened? Have I been asleep? Well, when you got to your room, you fainted. I still feel rather faint. I brought you some brandy. Could you drink a little? Not now. I couldn't. Where's Mr. Miller and Mr. Sheldon? They're moving your husband's body. No! They mustn't. Well, Dr. Landers told Mike to on the phone. The rain turned to snow during the night, and he won't be able to get here because of the storm. Not until the snowplow gets through. So he thought it best we put Mr. Weatherby.
4: Not outdoors?
6: No. There's a hillside cellar out back. Oh, yes.
4: What else did Dr. Landers say about Phil? He
6: said it must have been a heart attack. Ah and that you have nothing in the world with which to reproach yourself. He's sure you did everything you could.
3: For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Miss Jane Wyman in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Look at that stack of
2: valentines Quite a pile, child In fact, flocks will come No, they're not for me They're valentines to Autolite resistor spark plugs oh. Listen to this one You've won my heart with your kisses and your hugses And a set of Autolite resistor spark plugses How's that, eh? Uh, ah, the spark of love Why, sure Everybody loves autolight wide gap resistor spark plugs Replace your narrow gap plugs with these beauties To make your car idle smoother Give better performance with leaner gas mixtures. Actually save gas dollars. Now, here's a valentine that's right in line. Oh, valentine, will you be mine, and will you make me happy? Put Autolite resistor spark plugs in my car. Help make it smooth and snappy. Boy, that's hitting on all six. Well, naturally. Here's another valentine that touches this old heart of mine. Oh, autolight resistor spark plugs. With me, you are a fixture. You help my car run smoother, far, and go on lean gas mixture. <laughs> Say, I know that's the best yet. Uh, but uh,
3: right now, here's suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage... Miss Jane Wyman as Margot in Catch Me If You Can. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense.
4: I kept up my act all that day. And I didn't overplay it. I'm not the type for floods of tears. So I adopted a wan, gentle sadness, which made the others think me very brave. But all the time, there were two things on my mind, driving me crazy. Who was Rocky Rhodes, And where had Phil hidden the pills? And I couldn't hunt for them. Somebody was always in my room fussing over me. Finally, in the late afternoon, I managed to get away. I just started to look through Phil's clothes when...
7: Oh, there you are. I was looking for you. No, Snowplow get through here today. I'll just have to put up with Charlie Miller's jokes another evening. Are his jokes that bad? Well, you heard him ragging Susan, calling her Susie Q. Oh,
4: nicknames. Lots of people have the nickname habit. My husband had a friend named Rhodes. He nicknamed Rocky Rhodes.
7: It's a change from Dusty Rhodes, at any rate. By the way, where are you
4: from? Boston. Why do you ask? Oh, just idle curiosity. You know what they say about curiosity. Would you excuse me, please? I was going over my husband's things. Yeah, go
7: right ahead. I'll just uh, keep you company. Looking for something?
4: N- no. I want to pack so I can leave as soon as possible. I want to get back to New York. I don't blame you. Didn't he help? No, thank you. As a matter of fact, I... Would you mind? I'd rather be alone.
7: No, no, it's not good for you to be alone. I'll just stay here and keep you company. No, see.
4: Did you say something? No, I... Here's a book of Oscar Wilde's.
7: Uh, Why don't I read to you while you work? Let me see. Did your husband own all these shoes? He did. Wealthy man, apparently. How nice for you. Now, how about some poetry? (sighs) Let's, uh, let's try this one. The poor dead woman whom he loved and murdered in her bed. Shall I go on, Mrs. Weatherby?
4: But I couldn't let Sheldon unnerve me. I had to keep cool. I went on packing and he went on reading on and on endlessly about blood and prisons and hangings while I tried not to miss anything of Phil's. I had to have those pills. An hour later in my room, I knew I didn't have them. But Rocky Rhodes didn't have them yet either. Otherwise, he would have said something. But the pills didn't have to be in Phil's room. Which one was Rhodes, Miller or Sheldon? I would have to find out by elimination. After dinner that night, I went into the main parlor, and Charlie Miller grabbed me and danced me over to the fire. Ah,
1: here you are, Mrs. W. Now you just sit right here and have a highball, see? And we'll have a nice little cozy chat with little old Charlie. Oh,
4: you're so formal, Charlie. Call me Margot.
1: Margot? I'll bet your mother called you Maggie. You thought up Margot to use on the stage. On
4: the stage? How did you know I was an actress? This was the clue I'd
1: been looking for. Oh, a guy with my experience can always tell. You can? Sure. And I know how you actresses operate. You all take different monikers. I'll bet you were great, baby. Oh, I wasn't very good. There was only
4: one way that Miller could have known about my being on the stage.
1: From film. You weren't very good. (laughs) I know different, baby. So what if you only played Tank Towns? I sure wish I'd seen you.
4: You didn't miss much, really. Tank Towns? That was Phil's story, all right. Miller was Rocky Roads, and he was just drunk enough to handle.
1: Good luck. how about you and me going up to my room where we can be alone? That
4: wouldn't look right, Charlie. (laughs) We could go out and sit in my car. It's in the garage. Got a heater? And radio. The hotel radio is broken. We can say that's why we're going, to listen to the music. Wonderful.
1: Hey, you're a wonderful little woman, Maggie. Full of ideas.
7: Uh, not a bad little wagon, baby, but this
10: front seat is so full of steering
4: wheel. Let's get in the back. Oh, it doesn't heat as well in the back. How about a drink?
1: You first. Okay. Right out of the bottle. Oh, boy, this is what I call living. Music, plenty of bourbon, and a beautiful blonde. Never saw such a beautiful blonde. Can I give Charlie a kiss? Oh, wow. Sweeter molasses. Warm enough now, baby. Plenty
7: warm. Could turn off that heater.
4: I'm still a little cold, Charlie. Huh? Just stay close to me.
7: Yeah.
4: In a minute, we'll turn it off. (sighs) Then slowly, he sagged against me, and his head fell on my shoulder, and when I pushed him away, he fell forward against the steering wheel. (gasps) I hope nobody heard that. Oh, Oh. I... I gotta get out of here before it gets me too. I kept on my feet, going around the car. I, I was dizzy, getting numb. Then a few feet from the garage door, I keeled over. For a minute or more, I could move. Then I. The door. It took forever to get there. I opened the door somehow, pushed it shut, and half fell out and lay in the snow, breathing the clean air. Thanking my lucky stars, I'd been smart enough not to drink. That's why it got Charlie sooner, because he was drunk. I looked at my watch and decided to wait 15 minutes. What a wonderful thing that carbon monoxide is. No smell, no nothing. It just creeps up on you. In 15 minutes, Charlie Miller, alias Rocky Rhodes, would be good and dead. He was dead, all right. When they found us, they carried me into the house and gave me a drink and put me to bed. I went right to sleep, knowing Rocky Rhodes was dead. When I woke up, I remembered the car key. I had said Charlie started the car, but somebody might think to check the key for fingerprints and find mine. I put on a fur coat over my nightgown and ran all the way to the garage. I got in the car, reached for the keys, and they weren't there. Why? Why would anybody take my keys? And who would take them? Rocky Rhodes? No. He was dead. What was he? Had I killed the wrong man? I don't know how I ever got through breakfast.
7: That's too bad about Charlie, Margot. Stop worrying about it. It wasn't your fault. Look tired. You want to take a walk? Get some fresh air?
6: I I don't feel up to it. I was planning to go up to that lookout cabin on the peak.
7: No, no, no. I'm too lazy for that. I mean a short walk.
6: Is it a long climb, Mrs. Weatherby? Long and steep, believe me. I only made it up there once. But my husband used to go there often. I guess a good climb would do me good. think I'll try it alone. Bye. I'll be back before dark.
7: Bye. Be careful, Susan.
4: I didn't even hear her leave. I was thinking about Phil's walk to the lookout cabin. There was where he'd hidden the pills. I knew it. I knew it in my bones. Why hadn't I thought of it before? Oh, I'd have to hurry. I couldn't let anyone find those pills except me. I managed to get away from the men and slipped out by the back door without being seen. A ladder goes up from the trail to the lookout door. The door of the cabin stood open. I climbed the ladder quietly and stepped in and saw Susan on the other side of the room near the door to the balcony. She was holding an envelope attached to a card, and she was reading the card. And suddenly, definitely, I knew. Miss Rocky Roads, I presume.
6: Oh, oh! you scared me, Mrs. Weatherby.
4: I see you found what you're looking for. The pills my husband hid. You want to know if they're really poisonous? Well, I, I read this card. Is it some kind of a joke? Oh, no, it's no joke. One of them would kill a man. But that's not what killed Phil. I smothered him with a pillow. You didn't know that, did you?
6: Oh, you shouldn't be telling me this.
4: Phil told me you were coming, but I was expecting a man. I never dreamed Rocky Rhodes was a woman.
6: Oh, You've mistaken me for someone else, really. Oh, come off it. You're already responsible
4: for Charlie Miller's death, coming here under an assumed name. I killed him because I thought he was Rocky
6: Rhodes. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. Oh, you're ill, Mrs. Weatherby. You're imagining... Stay it. where you are! You think you'll get out of here alive?
4: I wouldn't go out that door if I were you. You'd step right off into blank space. But you can't do these things. They'll catch you. Who? How? Those pills are the only evidence against me. And I'll destroy them as soon as you're gone. Will you? Stop. Stay where you are. You fool. What good does that do you throwing them out? Watch where they fall. There. Right on the path. They'll stay there until I go down. But you played your last card. I'm not going to waste any more time. Let go, Mrs. Weatherby. Let go. You're going over the edge, Susie. No. You're going to be another tragic accident. No. Let go of that table, you fool. Inch no. by
11: inch
12: we're getting there. Now out on the porch, I'll pull you over with me. Please. Will you? Will you really? Oh, someone's coming! Someone's climbing the trail! It's fine You're crazy!
9: Mike!
12: Let's go!
4: I remember falling, falling, then then a sharp pain. then I don't remember anymore until I woke up here in the snow and found you bending over me. Who are you? Where did you come from?
2: I just came up from the village, Mrs. Weatherby. We know the whole story.
4: The whole story?
2: Now just take it easy, Mrs. Weatherby.
4: Oh, I, I know. You must be a doctor. But, Doctor, they'll never hang me.
2: No, Mrs. Weatherby. They'll never hang you. You're dying now.
4: No. No, I I can't die. After all I've had to do to live. Where did Mike go?
7: I'm right here, Mrs. Weatherby.
4: Like a vulture waiting for me to die. You're Rocky Roads, aren't you, Mike? No, Mrs. Weatherby. You're lying. It has to be you. I killed Charlie, and he wasn't Rocky Rhodes. And Susan wasn't. You have to be. I I have to know. I have to kill Rocky, or I've done it all for nothing. Rocky Rhodes mustn't find those poison pills.
2: Your husband didn't die from poison, Mrs. Weatherby. So you would have been safe even if the pills were found.
4: But, but, Ro- Rocky Rhodes... None of
2: those people was Rocky Rhodes. Your own guilt made you suspicious of everything they did.
4: But there must be a Rocky... Phil said there was. There has to be a rocky.
7: Is she dead, Doctor? I'm afraid she is. Mara was being sorry for her, her husband being dead. Just think, she killed her husband and one of us and none of us would ever have known it if she hadn't told Susan all about it in the cabin. It was good of you to get
2: here so fast, Doctor. Well, I'd have gotten here sooner if it hadn't been for the blizzard. Maybe none of this would have happened. By the way, I'm not a doctor, Mr. Sheldon. My name is
7: Rhodes. Rocky Rhodes. <laughs>
3: Thank you, Jane Wyman, for a splendid performance.
2: Miss uh, Wyman, would you do me a favor?
4: I'd be glad to, Mr. Wilcox.
3: Would you
2: autograph my script? (laughs) Why,
4: certainly. What shall I write? Well, why
2: not just write to ALRSP Wilcox from Jane Wyman?
4: ALRSP? What does that stand for?
2: Auto light resistor spark plugs.
4: Oh, of course. I should have known. (laughs) A plug for plugs. Why, sure. (laughs) Well, ALRSP it is. There. How's that?
2: Thank you. And did you know, Miss Wyman, that besides Autolite resistor spark plugs, Autolite makes over 400 other products for cars, trucks, airplanes, and boats in 28 Autolite plants from coast to coast. Autolite makes complete electrical systems for many makes of America's finest cars, batteries, generators, starting motors, coils, distributors, all ignition engineered to meet the highest standards of leading automotive engineers. So folks, tomorrow, treat your car to an expert motor tune-up. Visit your local Autolite service station listed in your classified telephone directory or the dealer who sells your make of car. And be sure to specify original factory parts. You're right with Autolite.
3: And now, in introducing again our star, Miss Jane Wyman, I wish also to extend to her, on behalf of our sponsor and all of us here on Suspense, our sincere congratulations on her nomination for the Academy Award for her splendid performance in the current Warner Brothers picture, Johnny Belinda, and to wish her the best of luck in balloting.
4: Thank you very much. And may I congratulate Suspense for being one of the top radio programs on the air, truly radio's outstanding theater of thrills.
3: Thank you, Miss White,
4: And I'll be listening next week when James Mason and his lovely wife, Pamela Calino, appear in the Agatha Christie story, Where There's a Will. Another gripping study in...
3: Suspense. Tonight's
2: Suspense play was adapted by Sylvia Richards from the current best-selling mystery by Pat McGear. Music was composed by Lucian Morawek and conducted by Lud Bluskin. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leder. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Uh
1: Stay tuned for The Aldridge Family next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for a visit with The Aldridge Family and the episode The Barter System.
13: The Aldrich Family, written by Clifford Goldsmith. A teenage boy has always scampered across the American scene. Tom Sawyer, or Huckleberry Finn, Penrod, Peck's Bad Boy. Maybe there's a good reason why. Maybe in a typical American boy like Henry Aldrich. People can see someone they once were, or once knew. The scene opens on the front porch of the Aldrich home. The time is late afternoon.
10: Gee, Homer, you're just worrying over nothing. Well, Henry, that isn't the way my father said he would have done it. My father will get it, Homer. Why do you think he's taking the time to drive way out to Mr. Frederick's farm if he can? Oh, boy, I certainly hope he can collect it. Homer, he's going to tell Mr. Frederick right straight to his face how much he owes us for the work we did this summer. And your father thinks he can get it all? Sure he can, Homer. He'll get our whole $8. Well, my father said that if a man owed him that much for working as hard as we did, he wouldn't go all the way out there. He'd just sue him. Boy, Homer, your father doesn't know anything about a thing like that. All he does is sell lumber. Because my father's one of the best lawyers in the state. He can talk anyone into giving him money. How? I don't know, but it's a knack you have if you're a lawyer. And nobody puts anything over on my father. When he goes after a thing, he gets it. He does? And how? You just wait until he comes back and hands us each $4. But, Father, didn't I make it clear Mr. Frederick owed us $8?
14: Henry, for the last time, I collected it.
10: In money, Mr. Aldrich...
14: No, Homer, not in money. As I said before, I collected the equivalent.
10: Sam, what do you
11: mean by the equivalent?
14: I mean, Alice, that Mr. Frederick didn't have the cash. So he paid it in corn.
10: In what? <laughs> <laughs> corn, Mrs. Aldrich. Gee, Father, not that we don't appreciate your trying, but what Homer and I had really planned on was, well, you know, money. Gee whiz, Mr. Aldrich. My father said... Never that mind
14: what your father said, Homer. There's nothing wrong with being paid in corn. It's the ancient principle of barter and exchange. It is? Of course. It's a simple case of applied economics. You boys will learn a great deal from this transaction.
10: It's taught me one thing already.
14: I'm glad to hear it, Homer.
10: The next time I do any work, I'm getting my money in advance.
9: <laughs> <laughs>
14: now, Homer...
10: Sam, how much corn did he give the boys?
14: Tomorrow morning, Alice, he's driving his truck in with 12 bushels.
10: 12 bushels? Of corn? Yes, Mrs. Aldrich, 12 bushels. Where in heaven's name are you going to keep it? In the basement, Mother, so we can figure out what to do with it. Well, that's very nice, I'm sure. Mr. Aldrich, how much is it worth, a bushel?
14: Uh, well, I'm afraid it isn't worth a great deal right now, but naturally, if you hold it, you'll find the price will fluctuate.
10: Sure, sure it will. What do you mean, fluctuate, Henry? <laughs> Boy, well, you sure are dumb. Yeah, it means that... Tell him, will you, Father?
14: The fluctuation reflects the cost of living. The price may be down, but only temporarily. Sooner or later, it'll go up.
4: Sam, what is it you're suggesting the boys do? Trade in corn?
14: Now, Alice, it'll be a very good experience for them. They'll learn the principles of supply and demand. This will teach them the value of money
10: you wish, Father. I know the value of money. It's the value of corn I'm worrying about. <laughs> well, don't worry
8: about it, dear. You and Homer can corner the market with your 12 bushels and make a killing when it goes
14: up. Ah, that's
11: for heaven's sake. I'm sorry, Sam. Please hurry and get ready for
10: dinner. Were you including me, Mrs. Aldrich? Why, no, Homer, I wasn't. However, if you feel that you want to stay. Oh, I, I couldn't stay unless I was specially asked. <laughs> well, in that case, dear,
11: perhaps the next
10: time. <laughs> <laughs> Could you start that over again, Mrs. Aldrich? <laughs> Come on, Homer, I'll go to the door with you Well, thanks for your trouble, Mrs. Aldrich And thank you for your trouble, Mr. Aldrich
14: No trouble
10: at all Understand, Henry, I'm not criticizing Only you should have gotten my father to handle this Now, listen, is that a slur on my father? Oh, gee whiz, no The only thing is, I don't know how he makes a living Homer Twelve bushels of corn or twelve bushels of corn? Well, I can figure that much myself But when I go up to the dance committee and get two tickets for the class dance, what am I going to hand them? Six bushels of corn? (laughs) That hasn't even fluctuated yet? (laughs) You aren't any worse off than I am. Eleanor Wentworth, haven't I? Boy, I don't know how I'm going to be able to face Betty Newton. Listen, Homer, why don't you see if your mother wouldn't be interested in buying it? The can. The whole 12 bushels? We could quote to a reasonable price. Sure. You want my mother to get us out of a hole that your father got us into. Homer, Homer, we aren't in any hole. You just don't realize how valuable that corn is going to be. When? When it fluctuates. When it fluctuates. Henry, in which room is the class holding the meeting? Right there in two A. Did you try the wayside market, Homer? Yes, Henry, I've been everywhere. Did you go to the neighborhood grocery? Yes. And they said the same thing everybody else did? No, they just laughed. Well, didn't you tell them what your father said about the price? Homer, people who are laughing aren't in the mood to talk business. Boy. I don't know why I want to go to this meeting anyway. All they're going to talk about is the class dance. Sure. And I'll bet the first thing they ask us is, have we bought our tickets? Hey, quiet, Henry. Is the meeting started? No!
8: You've all heard the minutes of the last meeting. Are there any announcements? Mr. President, the chair recognizes Toby Wilson. Although most of the tickets for the dance a week from this Saturday have been sold, there are still a few guys holding back. Oh, boy. Let's not have any slackers, fellas. Let's make it 100%.
10: I'm going out, Henry. No, Homer, they'll see you.
8: Are there any other announcements? Mr. President, Jimmy Bartlett, uh, Mr. President, I've been a member of this class for a good many years now.
10: And, well,
8: I'd like to ask why the tickets have to cost so much. Mr. President, that's what I say. Oh, well, I think the price of a ticket should uh, fluctuate like the cost of living. Homer, would you mind explaining that? Uh, well, if you don't know, it's not going to do any good to tell you. <laughs> Then it isn't the money I mind. It's a principle. Homer, I believe the price of tickets was fully discussed at the last meeting. And you're out of order. What do you mean I'm out of order? I wasn't even at the last meeting. I think we ought to have more principle all the way around. Oh, uh, 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 Homer, be quiet. Order, please. Order. Are there any other announcements? Mr. President! Betty Newton. I make a motion that the chairman of the dance read off the list of
12: those boys who haven't bought.
8: The list will be read at the next meeting. Are there any other announcements? Mr.
10: President, I make a motion that we postpone the dance. For how long? For how long?
9: For
8: about four weeks. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Those opposed? No. Mr. President, I make a motion that no boy in this class be allowed to bring in... in the class. Mr. President. Yes, Toby. I object. That amounts to no less than confiscation of personal rights.
10: <laughs> and Mr. President. Henry Ulrich, um, I've been listening with great interest to all the complaints about this dance, and, and naturally it worries me. I'm not sure, but I, I think I have a suggestion. We had a good dance last year, and we had a good dance the year before. And I guess if we're all here, we'll have another one next year. I certainly hope we will, because I like to dance. But, but, gee, I I don't know. Sometimes I start wondering if dancing is everything in life. How about trying something else, just one year? The evenings are nice now. They're a little chilly, maybe. But we're going to have a moon, I think. Why waste our time indoors, just dancing? Well, what do you suggest? Why, a, a sort of corn roast. (laughs) Now what? Uh, I make a motion that this class show a little originality and initiative and have a corn roast
9: I second the motion Order please, order Mr. President, I never
12: heard of anything so ridiculous All I can say is, who wants a corn roast? I
8: do, Mr. President Wait a minute, Henry Aldrich, I'm not through dancing
10: yet, I mean (laughs) talk The only trouble with having a corn roast is Where are you going to get the corn? It's hard to find this time of year. But if we have enough enough initiative and originality to want a corn roast, then I'm willing to personally guarantee that I will find the corn. Somehow. I second that motion,
9: too. What
8: motion, Homer? What? There wasn't an emotion. <laughs> well, then I make one. Oh, sit down. Now wait a minute.
10: Where are your principles, the Homer? Shut there up. There
8: has been a motion that instead of a dance, we show little originality and initiative by holding a corn roast. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. The boys have it. It'll be a corn roast. Aye. <laughs>
10: Homer, tell Henry Aldridge somebody wants him outside. I'm wanted outside? Somebody wants you out in the main office. Hey, come on, Homer, I'm wanted. Mr. President, does this mean we will or will not have punch
12: also?
10: Oh. Yeah. Gee, Henry, did you steamroller that? Homer, it just happens that I did it for the sake of the class. You did? Sure. I really think a corn roast is a better idea than a dance. And if it happens that we have the corn they need, we'll let them have it. Just what they need. No more and no less. Well, how much do you think they'll need, Hen? About 12 bushels. Mm. <laughs> Henry, I wonder who wants you in the front office. Henry Olvich! Where did you come from, Eleanor? I
15: just followed you out
10: And I want to tell
15: you that every girl in there is so mad at you, they're never going to speak to you again. They're all mad at me? My goodness, Henry. You even invited me to go to the class dance with you. Sure, Eleanor, but
10: let me explain. Henry,
15: I even bought a dress for the dance, a brand-new taffeta dress. Well, look here, what's... Don't I look nice eating corn on the cob in taffeta? Yeah,
10: but she was, Eleanor. All we did was substitute a corn roast for the dance. And
15: you can just substitute another girl. Goodbye. Eleanor, wait. Oh, no, I won't. Eleanor, wait. Wait. Mama!
10: Oh, boy. Come on, Henry. Here comes Betty. You wait for
15: me, Homer
12: Brown.
10: Oh, uh,
12: did you want to speak to me? Yes, I do. Do you realize I can't eat sweet corn? Why not? Because I've got this brace on my teeth. And I've got to wear it for three more months.
10: Gee whiz, Betty, you're too self-conscious about it. That's right. It's not the least bit noticeable. Unless you smile. Don't <laughs> no, be because... but, but gee whiz, Betty. Henry, oh! Oh, boy, who's that? It's your sister, Henry. Mary? What's she doing here in school? Oh, has she got a complaint, too?
11: Henry, I've been waiting for you in the main office. Here, you left this morning without your lunchbox.
10: Oh, well, thanks very much.
11: And, Henry, when you come home from school this afternoon, you're to stop at the store and see if you can get 12 ears of fresh-picked corn.
10: Corn? Yes. We've got corn. She was 12 bushels came this morning before I left the house.
11: But Mother says we can't eat that, Henry. My goodness, how could we eat it?
10: Why couldn't we?
11: It's horse corn.
10: (laughs) (laughs) It's what corn? Horse. Horse? Horse? Does that mean we can't have the corn roast? Homer, that means if anything is going to be roasted, it'll be us.
13: back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. Henry and Homer have talked the junior class into holding a corn roast instead of a dance in order to sell their 12 bushels of corn. While congratulating themselves on their success, they learn that they have in their possession not sweet corn, but horse corn. The scene opens that afternoon in the Aldrich basement.
10: Understand, Henry, I'm not criticizing your father, but don't you think he should have known this was horse corn? Why should he have? After all, my father's a lawyer, not a farmer. To him, corn is corn. Well, listen, Henry, I've been thinking. Couldn't we still sell it to the class, even if it is really just for horses? Look, Homer, you see this front tooth? Yes. I lost that tooth once, biting into an ear of horse corn. Looks all right to me. Sure, it grew out again, but the one I had, I lost. You did? Sure. And do you want us to be responsible for the whole class losing their front teeth? (laughs) Well, couldn't we soak it in butter and soften it up a little? (laughs) And not serve it until after dark? No, Homer. Oh, well, here we are, Henry, stuck with those 12 bushels of horse food, and the whole junior class is waiting for something to eat.
9: (laughs) Mother, please.
11: Eleanor, I don't want to hear another word about the class dance. Mother,
15: it isn't to be a dance. It's to be a corn roast. And Henry Aldridge expects me to go with him. But you're not going out
11: and buy clothes just for a corn roast. We bought you a lovely taffeta dress to dance in.
15: Why aren't you having the dance? Henry thought it would be much more original for us not to have one.
11: Well, you have plenty of clothes that are good enough to eat corn in.
15: But nothing that Henry hasn't seen me in before. And this is going to be a very original occasion. Dear, you can't expect me to buy you a dress for every single occasion. It's silly, Eleanor. But, Mother, I'll economize. I'll get something that I can wear to corn roasts and weenie roasts. Oh, Oh, Mother, if I don't get a new dress, I'll just die. I know it. Well,
8: I'd have a hard time explaining that to your father.
15: Oh, Uh, I'll die. All right. Can you uh, meet me at the Emporium tomorrow? Oh, yes, Mother, and thank you. I saw just the thing down there I have in mind. (laughs) Sit right where you are, Mother. I'll answer the phone for you. Hello? Hello, is this Eleanor? Yes. This is
12: Biddy. I just had a great idea. What about? Well, you know that corn roast we're having? Yes. Well, my uncle has a cabin down by the lake. And I asked him whether the whole class could meet there. And what do you think, Eleanor? What? He said he'd be very glad to let us have it. And he's sending two men out there to get the whole thing cleaned up for us. Really? Yes. I think it's a very original idea, don't you?
15: Yes. I was just telling my mother. And what
12: else do you think? What? The dentist is going to take the
15: brace off my teeth. He is? As a special favor, just for the weekend. That's wonderful. And oh, boy, am I looking forward to it? I should imagine. I think it's terribly should think you would. And how? You know, it's
12: been years since I've eaten sweet
9: corn.
10: Mr. President! Mr. President! Oh, no. Quiet,
8: please! President. Quiet! Why can't we have an orderly class meeting for a change?
10: Gee, Henry, everything's going swell. They haven't even mentioned the corn roast. Quiet, Homer. I think they've forgotten they voted on it. Quiet,
8: please! Quiet! The next item on the agenda is report on the corn roast. Where is Henry Ulrich? Oh,
10: boy. There he is,
8: Mr. President. Is that Ulrich back in the corner? Uh, Yes, Mr. President. Will you
10: make a report? Well, I'd like to say a few words on that subject. It has uh, come to my attention that some of the people around here are a little upset by the corn situation. We've always been pretty proud of the harmony in the class. And I think it would be a great mistake if we let an innocent suggestion by me about having a cornrow split us wide open. <laughs> if, a- after all, we have our annual what you may call it to have a good time. And, and for that reason, I think it's foolish to go ahead willy-nilly with a cornrow. I second the motion.
8: No motion has been made yet, man. <laughs> <laughs> then I second it when it's me. Oh, you're out of order. Is that so? Well, just as a matter of principle I'd like to know Sit right. down Homer. <laughs> oh, Okay, okay If you're opposed to a corn roast, Henry What do you suggest in its place?
12: Uh,
10: a, a dance Mr. President We girls
12: have a right to know where we stand around here After getting us worked up to the point where we want corn
10: You're gonna make us dance? Uh, don't misunderstand me, Betty I, I think we ought to have a dance and corn hmm. only, only work them together so that everybody will be satisfied And there, there won't be any hard feelings Well, uh, why couldn't we show a little originality and initiative and have sort of a barn dance? You know what I mean? Only not a plain, ordinary barn dance. This would be different. Uh, The decorating. Nothing but ears of corn. Mr. President, I second that motion. Mr. President, (laughs) may I ask why we can't have corn to eat instead of just corn for decorations? Because along this time of the year, Toby, you take horse corn, for instance. It's very colorful and nice to look at. Well, sweet corn is liable to be tough. You don't want to lose a tooth when you're out on a social event, do you?
8: I can take care of my teeth.
10: <laughs> but I say why take a chance? After all, we can eat corn any old time. Why get into a rut? I think we ought to be the first class in the history of Central High or any other school that has the originality and initiative to have a plain corn dance.
9: Yeah.
12: Order,
8: order, please. The chair recognizes Eleanor Wentworth.
15: Mr. President, I'd like to protest. Just because the majority in this class is composed of boys, that doesn't give the boys any right to change their minds every ten seconds. We girls have a right to know what's going to happen to us. I demand that a vote be taken.
10: Now, wait a minute, Eleanor. I
12: demand that a vote be taken on our having a simple, informal dance in evening
9: clothes. No! Yes!
11: had a riot. Really? I understand they had to call in six hall monitors and the gym teacher to quiet them down. What was the trouble? I don't know, but they tell me the class is in a terrible condition. Nobody's speaking to anybody. Well. There's even some talk of when they graduate, they're going to have two separate commencements.
9: Of oh, course. Well, the girls
11: say they won't be seen graduating from the same platform as the boys. Is, the
10: room? is that you, Henry? Yes, Mother. Oh, Mrs. Aldrich Hi, Mary Hello, Homer Henry, how on earth did you get your shirt torn? My shirt? My shirt? Oh, gee whiz Do you know who I think tore it, Henry? Who? Betty When did she do that? Right after Natalie White slapped his face (laughs) Henry, what did
11: she slap your face
10: for? I took the floor away from her (laughs) You what? I took the floor away from her We had a class meeting
11: Homer, you better get some Mercurochrome for your face. It's all scratched up. That was
10: Madeline Miller.
11: My goodness, she must have long fingernails. Not anymore.
10: (laughs) Henry,
4: you didn't get into a fight with any of
10: the girls, did you? She was, no. I was a gentleman through the whole thing. I don't understand what caused the whole thing. Well, we had what you might call a close vote. See, Mother? Well, we got it through, didn't we, Henry? What did you get through? Oh, just a little motion I made. Listen, Mother, where'd you put the corn? The corn? Sure, my 12 bushels. It's downstairs in the basement, dear. Oh, no, it isn't, Mrs. Aldrich. Yes, it is, Homer. Mary, we were just down there, and there wasn't even one basket there. Well, I don't understand it. Mother, did you go out at all today? Yes, I did. Did you lock all the doors? Oh, but the back door. Oh, boy. You think our corn's been stolen, Henry? Sure it has, Homer. Sure it has. Dear, don't be ridiculous. No one is going
8: to
11: steal 12 bushels of corn you can't eat.
14: Corn? You boys aren't worried about the
10: corn, are you? We sure are, Father. Hello, Sam. Hello, dear. Do you know anything about the corn, Sam?
14: I certainly do. Who took it? Who took it? I did. You did? After all, I wasn't going to let Mr. Frederick stick my own son with a load of useless (laughs) horse corn. No, sir. So I just went out there and made him take it back.
10: You haven't got the corn anymore?
14: I should say not.
10: Did Mr. Fredericks give you the money?
14: No.
9: Potatoes. (laughs) Potatoes?
14: Nobody puts anything over on Sam Wallace, let me tell you. I'm a pretty sharp trader, you know. But, Father... Mr. Aldrich... No bother to thank me. It was my own fault for not being more careful in the first place. But,
8: Father... Mr. Aldrich... I
14: let him know quite plainly I would stand for no nonsense. But,
9: Father... Mr. Aldrich...
15: Look, Betty, see that window in the Emporium? That dress in the center? Yeah, that's exactly like the one I got for the corn roast. Only mine was blue. And they won't let you take it back? No, that's why my mother's so mad at our class. Well, look, Betty, I guess you're going on, and this is about as far as I go. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Bye. Eleanor. Oh, Hello, Mother. I wondered whether you'd be here. Now, Eleanor, are you sure you
11: have to buy a special outfit just for a barn dance?
15: Oh, my goodness, yes. After all, I can't wear a corn roast dress to a corn dance, especially when the whole dance was Henry's idea.
8: (laughs)
10: What are we going to do? Let's just wait and see if something happens. Well, we're still stuck with the potatoes. Homer, relax. Take it easy. My father oh, yes. says that's a trouble. We've been taking it easy when we should have been tough. I'm going to make a motion. What motion? Well, I don't know yet. Mr. Uh, Mr. President. President! Homer Brown. I had the
8: floor first. Nobody recognized you. Sit down, Homer.
10: Sit down, Homer.
8: As long as there is some doubt about who had the floor first, I think we should recognize the young lady.
12: Yeah.
8: Mr. President, this is a matter of principle. Betty Newton has the floor.
12: Thank you. I should like to bring to your attention an article in today's school paper, which is the most sensible thing I've ever read in my life. It's called In These Times. It says, In these times, it hardly seems fitting and proper for students who are planning a dance to spend their money on unnecessary decorations, such as corn. If the junior class really wants to hold a dance it will be long remembered, why don't they give a dance without the decorations and show a little originality and initiative by contributing that money in the form of food, like potatoes? <laughs> and this time would be a very generous and appreciated step and would eliminate a lot of worry. Time, a loyal classmate.
9: Mr.
10: President,
8: Mr. President, why must it be potatoes? Because they're the staff of life. That's
10: Brad. <laughs> okay, now listen, Toby, the person who wrote that article knew what he was talking about. And we're going to carry out his wishes. Mr. President, I make a
12: motion that this class give a dance. Just a plain, informal dance. in evening dress. But oh, without any other decoration. And then we use the proceeds to buy potatoes for people that are
10: worried. Mr. President. Henry Aldrich, I just want to say that since I was the one who first suggested the chord dance... After hearing that article, I'm ashamed of myself. I not only withdraw my suggestion, but I second Betty's motion. Hey, Henry, who wrote that article? What do you think? Oh, gee, Why didn't you tell me? I even put the paper on Betty's desk. Hey, Homer. Homer, there's a fellow in the hall that wants to see you. He wants to see me? Who is it? I don't know. Somebody just told me. Come on, Homer, let's get out. We're sitting pretty. I'll say we are. Order!
8: Order! All those in
10: favor of our concerning the dance proceeds to potatoes instead of decorating with corn, please my. Our- Henry, do you see anyone out here? No. Hello, Homer. Father, what are you doing here?
14: Well, I just went out and had a talk with that farmer who owed you money.
10: You did, Mr. Brown.
14: Yes, sir. And I fixed things. I told him he couldn't unload first horse corn and then old potatoes that were even sprouting. Maybe he could do that to Sam Aldrich, but he couldn't do it to me.
10: You mean you got our money, Father?
14: No, he didn't have any cash, but I made him come across with twenty-five baskets of
10: spinach.
9: Spinach!
2: <laughs>
9: oh, boy, Homer! Not
10: even the poor will take spinach. <laughs> Hello?
15: And just one more thing, Henry.
10: Is this you again, Eleanor? It
15: certainly is. The more I think about it. A spinach dance. A spinach <laughs> dance. And I have a brand new yellow taffeta.
10: Well, wouldn't you go as a slice of egg?
13: is written by Clifford Goldsmith Henry is played by Bobby Ellis and Homer by Johnny Fiedler Mr. and Mrs. Aldridge are house Jameson and Catherine Roth Your announcer is Dick Dudley Listen again next week same time same station for another sparkling half hour with the Aldridge family Good
10: night everybody
1: Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week when I unveil more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast
0: is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.